you're not looking for someone who is necessarily like sexually compatible. You're looking for someone who has a desire to learn. Welcome to the Dating Down God's Way podcast. My name is Tolu. I'm your friendly Christian relationship counselor. And today we have a really special guest. I'm really, really excited for you all to hear what our guest today has to share. And today we have Bethany Beal, who is head over heels in love with her best friend and husband, David, and is the super proud mom of Davy Jr., she is the co-founder of Girl Defined Ministries, author of several books, including Shine Bright, 60 Days to Becoming a Girl Defined by God, and is passionate about spreading the truth of biblical womanhood. To her family and close friends, she is simply a tall, blonde Texan who is obsessed with iced lattes and can't get enough of her sweet little family. Bethany, it's so great to have you here. How are you? I'm doing great. I just love connecting with you internationally, you know, all the way in Texas. We're many (laughs) hours apart and many miles apart. So thank you for having me. No, this is amazing. And I love the fact that, you know, we're able to connect this way as well. So I'm really excited about our conversation today. So I'm just going to go right into asking you these questions. The first one I have for you is now our listeners are you know, struggling with relationships Mm. and their identity in Christ. So what is the downfall of having a relationship that isn't centered on God? Mm, You know, that's very common to have relationships that are not centered on God. And I don't think it takes many seconds to look around and see what happens, you know, when we are just looking to another person to completely satisfy and fulfill us. Um, We obviously were made in the image of God and we see in scripture clearly that we were made to ultimately find complete satisfaction and joy and hope in Christ alone. And so when we as humans say, okay, I'm not going to look to Christ and that's not going to be the center of this relationship. Instead, I'm going to look to this other person. We're basically asking this other person, like for a woman, if she's looking to the man and saying, you need to be my everything. Um, she's asking him to do something that he literally cannot do because only God can give us that true, lasting, complete satisfaction. So it's really like very unkind to look to the other person, whether it's your boyfriend or your fiance or your husband and say, um, or the opposite, you know, wife to say, hey, you need to be everything to me because you're literally going to set your relationship up for disappointment and disaster. And I don't think any of us want that. I, I, I love how you broke that down. And I think a lot of our listeners and even myself can identify with putting that kind of pressure on a human being. It definitely mm-hmm. takes away from the identity that you have in Christ and can compromise you in so many, many ways. But I do have a question, Bethany. There are non-Christian couples that are happily married. They've been happily married for years. So what makes the godly marriage dating seem mm-hmm. better? What makes it different? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great question. And obviously, I am a big advocate and have shared very openly about, you know, my belief in what scripture says of being unequally yoked and, you know, Christian only marrying a Christian man. But I can see how that would be confusing. Um, If you look and you're like, well, they're not Christians, and they seem happy. And, you know, I know Christians that are super unhappy. So I think right. just being a Christian doesn't mean that you're entitled to a happy marriage. It obviously takes work. And, um, you know, it can be hard. But The interesting thing is, if you are a couple who is not a Christian and you're married, one, we all benefit from being made in the image of God, whether we're a Christian or not. And we all benefit from, you know, making choices that, you know, God has basically 
designed us to thrive within. So faithfulness or good communication, forgiveness, those are things that Christians and non-Christians alike can do. But one of the biggest things when a non-Christian couple, you know, in their relationship, it's basically like they are lacking the meaning and purpose of what that marriage is actually about. So marriage isn't just about enjoying and finding satisfaction and having a happy life with the other. Marriage is actually a reflection of something so much greater. It's actually designed to reflect Christ and the church, his bride coming, you know, the bride and the bridegroom. And ultimately fast forward all the way to revelation. And we see that confirmation and ultimately that perfection of the bride with his with the bridegroom in eternity forever. And that's something as a non-Christian couple that you literally do not even understand. So it's like using something without understanding the purpose and meaning of it. It'd be like going somewhere so amazing. Say you go to the Grand Canyon or you go to see, you know, something incredible, um, you know, the Great Wall of China or whatever, but you have no context for it. You're like, I don't understand where this came from, how it came to be. You know, you're not going to fully appreciate and enjoy and really understand it. And so when a a non-Christian couple is married, yes, they can still benefit and enjoy, but they're missing the greater context and purpose to really have that complete satisfaction and joy of why they're even married. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. And I love your answer. It's such a great way of putting into context the kind of marriage you are called to Mm -hmm. as a godly couple. And, you know, it's it's a great way of, of distinguishing how we are, you know, as Christians, how we are called to a ministry in marriage as opposed yeah. to you know a non-christian couple that doesn't have that kind of understanding you know with the examples you just gave but then to kind of take it deeper so who would you describe as a modern woman then is she any different mm. from a godly woman what is your take on who a modern yeah woman? you know well, I live in America, and mm-hmm. um, I feel like a lot of the uh, messages coming out of America have impacted women all over the world. And just, you know, yeah. from our own sinful hearts and choices, you know, movies coming out of Hollywood, music that comes out of Hollywood, it really spreads worldwide. So at least in my experience and what I'm seeing, there is the modern woman who is not looking to Christ for her identity. It's very much a message of you know, kind of stemming from really in America, this whole feminist movement saying, you are your number one, you are the boss, you are the queen. And Mm -hmm. the goal of being a woman is to be like super sexy, super seductive, like boss, queen, everyone looks at you and like, wow, she, Yeah. yeah, she doesn't need anyone. She's the head of her life. She's the king. She's, she's it. Like she is so independent, so, uh, you know, autonomous from everyone else. And that's really the goal of the modern woman. And while it's good to be self-sufficient and reliant and able to make decisions and all of that, it's sad to me that we as women look around in so many ways and say like, Ooh, you know, not only do I not want to be, be, you know, appreciate men, but I want them to be beneath me and below me. And I am everything. And, you know, even family is diminished. Having children is diminished. All of these beautiful things that God created, you know, the differences between men and women, the family structure, you know, all of that is so beautiful. But I really think the modern woman looks down on that. And to me, that's just super sad. I, I, I really love the way you just put that into, you know, the context of how culture has affected the way women are viewing themselves and made it seem like it's wrong to desire marriage to desire family Mm. to desire a spouse or a partner so does the bible offer any practical wisdom for modern women and their dating relationships Mm. 
you know, I think a lot of us as modern women would be like, Ooh, no, like <laughs> God doesn't know about love and dating and marriage and sex. Like that's not, don't combine those things. That's weird. You know, when we have this idea that like we as modern people in our modern technology day have invented love and marriage and sex and dating and all this stuff when like holds up, you know, in the beginning in Genesis, God actually created marriage. He created Adam and Eve. He made them as sexual beings and he put them in the garden and established the first cabinet of marriage. And then he basically said like, go and, you know, enjoy one another and be intimate and reproduce. And, and so I think it's, us as modern women need to say, wait a minute, God actually is the creator. He's not bashful. He's not embarrassed. He's not shy about these topics. He actually created them. Um, and so I think for us as modern women, if we actually go to God's word and we actually, you know, just look in books like Song of Solomon or even like Proverbs 31, or we look back in Genesis at the very beginning and we see, wow, God actually intentionally designed men and women to be different and to have, you know, to be able to enjoy and be attracted. That's actually a good thing in so many ways. Um, so instead of diminishing God as like, oh, this, you know, a high person in the sky who could never understand that, one of the best things that we can do is actually go to his word and then take our longings and desires and hopes and actually bring them to God because truly he better, better understands than anyone because he created you the way that you are. So I think instead of putting God as the, the prude, <laughs> we need to take him out of that position and say, God, you are so wise and all knowing and you actually have the answers and the key to a lasting love and a lasting relationship. So don't turn to the movies, actually turn to God's word. And I think that you'll be surprised to see how much of a fan of romance God actually is. And I mean, Song of Solomon, you know, it's not just about the man. It's like the woman is after her husband, you know, and mm -hmm. she loves her marriage. And so I think sometimes we need to take a look there and see like what actually really cares about this. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, I think that there's this huge misconception of how faith is meant to operate for dating relationships in our day-to-day -day lives. So it's important, just like you said, and I want to echo that for our listeners, that you don't put God into that context of being a prude, so to speak. I love mm -hmm. that way you use that word. And instead, invite him into your life and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. I just wanted to make sure that um, our listeners caught that. So what are some of the most common dating mistakes women make, do you think? Mm -hmm. You know, I think, and, and even this is in my own experience, I, for so long, um, you know, wasn't really looking to date or to get married for the right reasons. I really was looking to a guy and to a status to define me and to be my identity. And I think that so many modern women, Christian women do that. We think, okay, well, if I could just have a boyfriend, then I'll be valuable. Then I'll be worth something. So instead of looking for truly a godly man and being patient, oftentimes we'll rush into a relationship or excuse a lot of red flags or just concerns because we so want to have that status of dating or being in a relationship because we feel like that's better than being single. And we feel like if we're single, we're less than, you know, like we're not worthy. So I know for me and my personal experience, um, you know, I settled, I didn't get married till I was 30. And the years before that, I settled many times in relationships because I wanted, I just wanted that status. And so that's something I want to really encourage the listeners to consider, like, why do I want to date? And if we really get to the heart of that question, that can help us to make sure that we truly have the right motivation in the relationship. And that'll really help us to know who to actually say yes to dating and who to say no to. 
I, I, I love the fact that you just said, you know, it, it, it can be, to be, to be very frank, it can be a very challenging journey as a single oh, yeah. Christian woman. So I appreciate the fact that, you know, you were honest, you know, about settling. And, and I can completely relate with that as well. And I think, you know, a lot of our listeners will benefit from knowing that you are not the only one, but at the end of the day, that's not actually what God desires for you. And that is not mm. going to lead to a healthy, godly relationship. But I'm mm-hmm. curious to hear, what are some ways single women can build a solid foundation and relationship with God before dating? Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we often as single women take for granted how valuable our relationship with God really is and how much it actually sets us up for success. I think we think like, uh, you know, it's not that important. Like a yeah. guy will solve all of my problems. He really will. You know, like I know I'll turn into basically like a perfect angel once mm-hmm. I'm with that guy. You know, I totally believed that. I thought like, yeah, I know I have like issues or I know I'm not really content or I know I'm like kind of struggle with getting angry or whatever but like you just bring my prince charming along and i will transform into perfect princess (laughs) bethany yeah and like whoa you know now having been married not that long but for two and a half years i'm like oh snap like the same bethany that got married that was single is the same bethany of course i've grown in some ways but like i didn't transform into princess perfect over here you know so i think that for single women um one of in my personal opinion i think one of the best ways that they can prepare for dating or for marriage and the best gift they could ever give their future husband is to actually really now intentionally focus on building a great quiet time with the Lord. So being in the word, striving to become a woman who understands the word and just growing in godliness. So in practical quality saying, okay, like who is my family around me? How can I practice loving them? Even though I feel really impatient, you know, or who can I serve that God has put around me, whether it's my church or my friends or my community and actually working on growing in those qualities. I promise you that will be one of the best gifts that you can give your husband one day and the best way to prepare for marriage. It's just focusing on, okay, being faithful in the season that God has given you. And I wish I would have worked on that more. I wish I would have grown in my relationship with God more because I can see what a blessing and benefit it would be to me now as a married woman. So, you know, single women, don't take that for granted and don't waste the time you have now, um, you know, not growing in your relationship with God when God has given you this time to spend with him and it will be such a benefit to you in the future. Hey queen, I see you're enjoying this episode. If you're interested in diving even deeper into attracting the right men, dating your husband, dating for the purpose of a godly marriage, dating to marry is the program for you. I work with you to show you exactly how to date to attract your husband. I'm going to walk you through patterns all the way to positioning yourself to date to attract the man that is right for you. I only work with four women. Make sure to check the show notes to sign up for our wait list. I look forward to welcoming you into Dating to Marry. Let's get back to our episode. I, I, I love how you just said you were not princess perfect. I think that is <laughs> that is so relatable because you somehow think, oh, I like exactly what you said. When I meet the right person, everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. So it's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. So it's great that you, you know, you spend this time to really work on yourself and give it as a gift. I love that word, you know, give it as a gift to your family and to your husband. So do you think physical boundaries are important in a romantic relationship? And if so, why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I... 
I thought a lot about boundaries before, you know, in my dating days and um, even when I was engaged and it, it can be very um, hard to come up with boundaries and there isn't like a black and white list in the Bible, which I wish there were because that would be very easy. I mean, we see a call in scripture to reserve really the old in the most intimate act, which is sex. We see mm-hmm. that God calls us very clearly to reserve that for the marriage bed. And I just want to say right now um, that if you are a woman and you're like, well, I've already done that. Like I am not married, but I've had sex. I want you to know that God is a God of redemption. He is a God of forgiveness. And if we repent and ask him for forgiveness, there is nothing too big or too much for him to forgive. And he is the one who cleanses us and redeems us. So I just want you to hear that right now, you know, before I answer this question. Um, but I think that uh, something that was super, and I'll just share from personal experience, something that was super helpful for Dave and I when we were dating and even engaged, instead of focusing so much on the physical aspect and always, you know, having to have tons of conversations about boundaries, like, okay, did we push that boundary? Did we not? We mm-hmm. set up because we both desire to honor God. If your heart is not in a place of wanting to honor God in this area, then you're going to find every loophole and you're going to try to go work yeah. around every boundary. So your heart with boundaries nice. has to be like, Hey, we have boundaries because we want to honor God and because we want to set ourselves up for success. And we don't want the physical aspect of our dating to constantly be a conversation. So Dave and I just set up very, very practical, clear boundaries that some people might've thought were crazy, but it made our relationship so enjoyable because we weren't constantly pressuring and tempting the other. We were able to just enjoy our friendship knowing that, you know, one of these days we're going to get married and we will have a lifetime of learning to love and enjoy and please the other. But right now that's not this place. Of course we can have romance, but we are not in the place of enjoying complete intimacy yet. So I think for you, it's thinking of, okay, what could those boundaries look like? I mean, one for my husband and I was that we decided when we were alone in a car together, we actually made the boundary that we weren't going to touch. And I know that may seem extreme to some, but we were like, you know, there, if it's late at night or if we're in a moment of weakness, like we could kind of like, oh, you know, get the feelings mm-hmm. and passion going and there's no one around. So we were just like, let's make a hard line there. And as crazy as some people might have thought that was, it removed all the temptation in the guard because we literally were not touching each other. Um, so that those, you don't have to follow that boundary, but I'm just giving an example of the types of boundaries we set. And I look back with so much joy on our dating and engagement because of those boundaries and our heart for wanting to honor the other before marriage. So view them as a benefit. Don't view boundaries as a like, oh, this is the worst. View them as a benefit to help you get to where you want to go. Uh, you're just, you know, you're speaking so much truth. And I really appreciate you for that. Um, I, I love how, you know, I, I think the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with this. What, you know, yeah. the foolishness of... Uh, how how does scripture put it but what is wisdom what is foolish in men's eyes is yes. wise in god's sight right so yes. i think what you just gave was a perfect example of that mm. it may seem silly but it's wise yeah and it's spirit inspired mm. so now i'm curious about your book love defined can you tell us more about it yeah so love defined is all about love romance relationships really and discovering you know it's discovering god's best for your romantic relationships kristen and i wrote this i was actually still single and kristen was married when we wrote this so it comes from a very unique perspective it really relates to the reader who wants to get married and who is single which was me and then it really relates to the reader who is like hey i want to learn from someone who's already been married for many years and you know is married to a godly man i want her perspective so it's this incredible like duo that we were able to have and i'm so grateful that god allowed us to write this book then, but we talk about everything from, you know, really kind of how the world goes about relationships and just their method of, you know, personal happiness. And that's the most important thing in your relationship. And that should be the number one to 
glory, you know, God's perspective, which is to glorify him and honor him and enjoy him. And you can do that within your romantic relationship. And, you know, we dig into everything, like how to thrive in your singleness, red flags to look for in a relationship. We unpack in a deeper way boundaries. It's really kind of like the handbook for the modern girl who's single or dating, who wants to know, okay, like I do have some concerns in this relationship, but how serious should this be? It's like, you can go to the red flags (laughs) section in this book. And it will help you to know like, hey, yeah, that is something serious. I mean, you know, what if he has a porn addiction? What if, you know, he's pressuring you to have, you know, go further than you're comfortable with? Those are hard things to wrestle with. And we kind of unpack all of that in Love Defined and really bring scripture into it. And I just hope it's a helpful tool for whoever reads it to better know what kind of man to look for, better know what kind of woman we should be striving to become, and just to see how involved God is in this part of our lives. And like I said before, that he's not a prude and he really does care about this area of your life. Where can people get a copy of the book? Yeah, so you can, it's online pretty much everywhere. And um, I know for international girls, there's a website called the book the book depository. Um, okay. So if you just search that the book depository, I think all of our books are on there and they ship mm-hmm. absolutely everywhere in the world. So that's a great place. Um, and also, you know, pretty much you can get it like the ebook version or the audio version. And I know that's pretty accessible for anywhere in the world. Awesome. I'm going to link it in the show notes. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in getting yourself or a friend a copy, or maybe you just want to get for your circle of sisters, you will be able to get it the link in the description um, in the show notes. So thank you for that, Bethany. What is the best advice you can ever give about dating marriage? What's like your best ever advice for dating (laughs) That's a girl. That's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) Like what is my best advice? Ah, um, (laughs) You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the, you know, the best advice I was given or the best advice, I think dating and marriage is a little bit different. I think I would say for dating, the best advice I was ever given was to look for a man that has a genuine and pure heart for the Lord. So when you're not looking, when everyone else isn't looking behind the scenes, you can tell that he is a man who isn't just doing the right thing because he's trying to put on a show or trying to look a certain way, but you can tell like, wow, he actually truly has a relationship with God. He's not just a Christian in name only. He genuinely has a relationship with God. And I know that he wants to honor God for himself. Because if you marry a man like that, when you're married, you can pray and be like, hey, God, can you convict him of this? Or can you show him this? And you can know your husband is seeking the Lord and that he wants to follow God for himself. And I can tell you that the trust that that will bring into your marriage and the just peace in your heart that you can have knowing like you don't as the wife need to be the Holy Spirit in his life because that never works out. You can rest knowing that he actually is in tune with the Holy Spirit and cares about God and loves God. And I think that is the best thing that any woman could ever have in in a marriage is just peace knowing that her husband truly loves God and is in tune with the Holy Spirit. I want to echo what you just said about speaking to the Lord and letting the Lord minister to his heart. And, you know, just say that that's really important. So as a listener, you know, if you're single and you're trying to figure out what exactly should I look for? I I just want to echo what Bethany just said, because in marriage, like you said, you can't become his Holy Spirit. You don't have the capacity. Mm -hmm. You don't have the knowledge, the wisdom. You don't even have the um the insight to be able to do that so does marriage change your relationship with god bethany 
You know, I think every season of life changes our relationship just a little bit. I know right. in my extended years, in my extended years of singleness, you know, I hoped I would get married at like 20, you know, <laughs> all this wishful thinking. Yeah. And then it was about 10 years later, I got married. And I know a lot of young women and women are in that place of like, exactly. oh, it's, you know, it's not what I want, but getting married has changed my relationship with God for sure in many ways, because now I am learning to trust God and I am learning to rely on God for strength in different ways than I did when I was single. And so I think anything in life that pushes us towards Christ, that pushes us towards dependence on God, that pushes us towards needing to trust him is such a benefit in our lives. You know, and it's kind of like I said, you know, a man and a woman, they're different. And if I'm like, I have to tell him everything he needs to be like, we're going to have a miserable marriage. But if I can learn to trust God and learn to surrender my husband to God, you know, then I won't feel like I need to be the Holy Spirit. So there's just a whole new level of trust. And, you know, now my, um, my husband and I, we have a one and a half year old. So we have a little toddler and wow, that has grown me and my relationship with God and in our marriage in ways I never could have imagined, you know, it's wonderful. But also there's a lot of reliance on God for just the strength and the peace and, you know, functioning when there's no sleep, all of that. So I think that marriage, if you are striving to honor God and your marriage is God centered, like we talked about earlier, it will absolutely grow you closer to God and challenge you in your relationship with him. And that is such a gift and a blessing. How would you say, you know, you can practice purity while waiting in a very practical mm. way? Mm-hmm. You know, there's actually another book Kristen and I wrote called Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart. And I think in yeah. some ways, especially in Christian circles, there is this misconception that purity and anything to do with sex or sexual struggles before marriage is like a guy, guy thing. And mm -hmm. so we don't often hear a lot about how can a Christian woman outside of like, okay, I, I want to save sex for marriage. Like how, what else is there? You know, yes, and I think that, exactly. you know, in my experience and at least in all of the emails and messages that we get there, you know, there's a lot more that we as Christian women are struggling with. And a lot of women just don't feel the freedom to express these struggles and reach out for help because no one's talking about it. And um, so some of those things are like pornography, uh, masturbation, um, erotica. These are all sorts of things that we hear on a regular basis. Women saying, please help. I don't, I'm struggling with this and I don't know where to go for help. And so I would say um, one of the best things that you can do as a single woman or dating woman is to not keep this to yourself. Find a godly woman who is either a few years older than you or just more spiritually mature than you, who you can trust to reach out to, to bring whatever these questions or struggles are into the light. Because if we're like, okay, well, I'm going to try to maintain purity. Like I'm not going to, you know, like I'm, I'm going to try to look for a godly man and I'm not going to compromise. Um, but we have all these internal struggles and we're kind of like in bondage to the sin. Like what in the world, you know, we're like just trying to put on a facade. So I think mm -hmm. it's so important for us to be open and find that freedom and forgiveness and accountability. Um, and so I just really encourage you, if you are listening right now, one, know that you are not alone. Like you are not the only girl woman in the world who struggles with that. I could, I could show you a million emails with women and girls saying, I am struggling with, you know, these specific sexual things. So know that you are a sexual being and that's a good thing. God made you that way, but we need to walk in it rightly. And so we need to get that accountability. We need to get that help so that by the time we do enter into a dating or marriage relationship, we're not bringing that ongoing sin and struggle into it. There'll just be a lot more freedom and just a lot more joy that can be had if we can work on that right now while we're single. 
I, I love that advice. Um, and make sure that you listen to what Bethany just said. A more mature woman, even if she's not mature by age, just by spirit, will help a lot to practice purity while waiting because it is a struggle. And I thank you yeah, for being honest about that. It's not easy at all. So it's important that you have that circle of accountability. Now, Bethany, how would you know, you know, speaking about purity, how would you know your husband is sexually compatible if you're not having sex? Because I know a lot of women will have that question, that fear, that mm. doubt. So what would you say to her? If she has that. Question. Yeah, that's a really, really, really good question. And I'm so glad that you asked that. Um, I'll just tell you right now that my husband and I, we did not have sex before getting married. And I know this may shock some of you and you might think I'm a crazy person, but we actually didn't, we didn't kiss until the altar at our wedding. So if we weren't compatible, we were going to have some problems, you know, (laughs) we hadn't even kissed. So I can tell you right now that I think there is a lot of misconception when you say compatible. If a lot of us think about that, like, what do we actually mean when we say we're not sexually compatible? Because I can tell you that every single married couple has to work hard on not just on every area of their relationship, but specifically intimacy. You know, it's a God designed our bodies to be so intricate and men and women are so different. And each marriage, one might have, have a higher sex drive and the other might have mm-hmm. a lower. It's mm-hmm. not just men who have a higher sex drive. I know have so many married couples where the woman mm-hmm. has a higher sex drive, you yeah. know, so there is not a one size fits all mold. And I think the beautiful thing, instead of worrying about, will we be compatible? I think the question should be, this is an exciting journey. How can we learn to specifically love the other? Because every man is going to be different and every woman is going to be different. So you're not looking for someone who is necessarily like sexually compatible. You're looking for someone who has a desire to learn to love and serve the other. And you know where true joy is found in the marriage bed? True joy is really found when you are being intimate, but you are focusing on giving to the other, on loving the other. And when both people, the husband and the wife, are focused on serving one another, you know, within the intimate marriage bed, within the physical act of sex, that's when it's truly passionate and joyful and completely satisfying. You're not just looking for an exchange of like bodily fluids and bodily motions. You're looking for something deeper. You're looking for that soul satisfying like connection. And that can only happen when you're truly seeking the Lord and seeking to serve one another. So I would encourage you not to worry about if you're compatible sexually or not. I would encourage you to look for a man who has a servant's heart and who desires to love his wife with compassion and and with grace and with patience, because that's going to make an amazing, you know, husband and an amazing experience. So don't worry about, I think that's a, something we shouldn't worry about. Instead, look for the man with the character and it's going to be a, you know, a great marriage. Hey queen, I see you're enjoying this episode. If you're interested in diving even deeper into attracting the right men, dating your husband, dating for the purpose of a godly marriage, dating to marry is the program for you. I work with you to show you exactly how to date to attract your husband. I'm going to walk you through patterns all the way to positioning yourself to date to attract the man that is right for you. I only work with four women. Make sure to check the show notes to sign up for our wait list. I look forward to welcoming you into Dating to Marry. Let's get back to our episode. I, I I like that angle. I've never heard it put that way before. And I think it will definitely help to make sure the marital experience is is enjoyable and it's not mm-hmm. as um as challenging. So but how do you know when you meet your husband, Bethany? What's different about him? 
Mm, like if you, how do you know when you find the one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we, we get asked this question all the time. I can tell you, I wrestled with this. Like, how will I ever know? Like, God, please just drop a banner from the wall. Like, <laughs> oh, this is so stressful. You know, it's hard. It's like, oh, this is so hard. But I think that it doesn't have to be as confusing as we make it. Um, I know for Dave and I, I'll just share what we did. And I think that this will be helpful for you. So I think one, you're looking generally for a man who you're like, okay, he is involved in church. He's not just like a Christian name only. He genuinely loves the Lord, all those things we kind of talked about. Um, and as you build a friendship and get to know him, one, you can ask yourself like, okay, does he like me? And do I like him just on a surface level? And if that's the case, like, okay, great. Does he have the character I'm looking for? And do I have the character he's looking for? Um, and if that's in, you know, on par, great. And then what I would really encourage you to do, and this was something that was so helpful for Dave and I, um, is we actually did pre-engagement counseling. And I know a lot of us have heard of pre-marital counseling after you're engaged, but I personally think pre-engagement counseling should be required. Like before you say yes to spending the rest of your life with someone on engagement, you know, he gets down on one knee, we need to have some counseling and actually get right. some help to make sure. I agree. So that brought so much clarity for us. We asked an older couple in our, who we knew that we really admired. We said, Hey, will you spend six to eight weeks just working with us as a couple to make sure one, that we're not missing anything to make sure, ask us hard questions, make sure we don't have any hidden sins or, you know, family issues that we haven't talked about and really just help us to think through everything so that we can make a wise informed decision. And for Dave and I, at the end of those six to eight weeks, we were like, you know, the couple that was mentoring us, they're like, you know, we don't see any problems. So if y'all want to get married, we think it's a great idea. We support this. Um, and Dave and I were like, you know, we really want to get married. And so ultimately it came down to a choice. Do we want to marry each other? Because we had gone through all of the work, sought wisdom. And at the end of the day, it was ultimately a choice to say, yes, I want to commit the rest of my life to you. And if you want to make that choice and he wants to make that choice after doing all of that work, then you can say, hey, you're the one for me. I'm the one for you. And now we know when we say I do at the altar, we are now in a covenant. We are the ones for each other. And we will now work towards, you know, growing in our marriage for the rest of our lives. So that's what Dave and I did. And I would just encourage the listeners, please get pre-engagement counseling. And I think that will help bring the clarity and the peace you need to know if each other are the one. I, I, I really like that pre-engagement counseling. So I'm going to echo Bethany on that. Please take that seriously because I don't think it's spoken about enough. So what mm -hmm. is one lesson on marriage every single woman should learn? Mm -hmm. I think the one lesson on marriage that every single woman should learn is that, and you know, I've said this before, but that you are not looking for a man who will satisfy you in every way because that is something only God can do. So please, please don't look and put that expectation on the man because you will ultimately like destroy your marriage because you will ask him to do something he was never intended to do. And, you know, God created marriage for us to both love and serve the other. And that's what makes a beautiful marriage. When you are focused more on what you can give and less on what you can take, when both the husband and the wife are doing that, that's what makes for the most beautiful, joyous, satisfying relationship. And it is polar opposite of what the world is telling us. It's polar opposite of what we see in the movies and hearing the music. But that's right. truly what makes a lasting marriage. So focus on enjoying Christ and finding satisfaction in him. And then your marriage will be like a delight and a blessing and not something you're counting on to make you happy. I, I, I want to also echo that the focus should be on giving 
like you've just said. And, you know, as a listener to this, I want you to really use what Bethany has said to think about areas in your life where you can give, where you can serve, where you can be a blessing so that when you step into marriage, it's natural for you and it's Mm. easier for you. So thank you for that, Bethany. Now about Love Defined, I'm curious to learn who is this book for and what are you Mm. hoping they take away from reading it? Mm -hmm. You know, this book is for any young woman or woman who has questions about singleness, who has questions about love or dating or even marriage. I mean, even if you are married, honestly, there's so much you can learn from this book because we talk so much about God's design for marriage, God's design for love. And if we haven't taken the time to stop and really consider what does God have to say about marriage? What does God have to say about love? And, you know, even how to thrive in singleness, um, it, you know, we don't naturally, our hearts don't naturally like believe truth. Our hearts are deceitful and we believe lies and there's so much noise around us. I mean, I just think of all the most popular music. It's like, they're not pointing us towards Christ. They're pointing us towards like earthly fleshly satisfaction. And I feel like it's just insane. Every song, it seems like it's about like sex and guys and romance and women and all this crazy stuff. And it's like, we have to combat that with truth. And so our book, Love Defined, is just a a little effort of saying, hey, here's a tool that will help you combat all the lies around us with truth. And we need to chase after truth. And so Love Defined is for any woman or young woman who says, yes, I want to chase after truth in the area of dating, romance, and marriage. If that's you, then Love Defined is going to be an incredible tool to help you on that journey. Well, Well, Bethany, thank you so much. This was so fun. Um, And I really, really enjoyed having you on our podcast. Thank you for just sharing your wisdom, sharing your knowledge or your experience and being so transparent um, with what you've, you've seen will impact women on making sure they have and they achieve that marriage that God desires for them. So thank you for that. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. No, this was fun. So we're going to head over now to the members area. If you're a wife and waiting sister, make sure you head over to our members area. We have some more questions for Bethany and you're definitely going to learn more about what it means to have a godly marriage from her experiences. Until next time, if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you like, share, you subscribe, and you can find all the details about Bethany and Kristen's books in our show notes, make sure you grab a copy for yourself, your friend, whoever the Lord leaves on your heart. It's definitely going to help you all. So see you next time. Have a nice day. Bye. Hold on. If you're a wife and waiting sister, head on over to our members area for a secret session with this guest. Yes, we have a secret session with this amazing guest where we dive into even more tips and steps to make this journey easy for you. And we'll be discussing it in our sisterhood chat later as well. See you in the members area.